Delmer's on here, and uh, I think that's it for the day. So you, y'all can go ahead. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, uh, Congressman, you know, um, I mean, this is. Good morning, Delmer. How are you? I'm <laughs> doing good. How are you doing? So, good. I, good. A p- pretty good busy, uh, pretty busy time right now with the budget thing, but. Uh, you know, uh, we are approaching a $35 trillion uh, deficit, and I don't think anyone can, human can even comprehend how much money that is. And do you think we can afford to give Ukraine another $61 billion on top of the $141 billion we have already uh, sent to the Ukraine? Well, that's a really good question, Delmer. Uh, you're right. We are digging ourselves a big hole with the trillions of dollars in, in national debt. Um, the in, in Congress, as you know, typically is re, it's really hard to cut back spending. We have been, you know, if we could pass the appropriation bills that we uh, put together, uh, we would, for the first time, spend less in this fiscal year than we did in last fiscal year. I think there's going to be some changes made, so we will still reduce spending, but it won't be to the levels that many of us would like. Um, the problem here is, and, and well, first of all, let me just say, I, um, helping Ukraine is, is vital. Stopping Putin from advancing uh, toward NATO countries, which would engage the United States in, in in requiring us to send men and women into battle. I think if we can avoid that, uh, we should absolutely do so in help standing up for democracy around the world. I think it's something that helps our national security uh, and reduces the threat of the new world order that Russia, China, North Korea, Iran uh, want to impose. And so I am in support of helping our allies around the world, but I also think we need to um, change our spending in Washington, D.C. What we're faced with is through these appropriation bills, through the uh, discretionary spending that we have, trying to cut as much as possible, uh, we're only looking at about well, I think it what it is, 15 or 17 percent of the entire budget. We have to look at the whole picture uh, in order to make any headway in reducing that that looming national debt of what you said, 34, 35 trillion dollars. And that means we have to touch on some of those things that uh, people don't want to talk about. Uh, we have to reform Medicare. We've got to reform Social Security. If we don't, those programs will not be there when my constituents, people who are depending on them, need them. And that's where we have to get our fiscal house in order in those things that the mandatory spending that is more than three quarters of the budget. Uh, We're not going to be able to balance and reduce that, that looming national debt when we're just messing around with a very small percentage under the discretionary spending, which is what these 12 appropriation bills in front of us uh, entail. So I think we can do both, Delmar. I really do. I think we can uh, look at our entire budget picture and also stand up for democracy around the globe. Uh, It's going to take some um, 
determination and fiscal restraint on, on the part of everybody. But I think in the long run, uh, uh, the United States will be stronger, better off, and so we'll, the world will be safer. Well, uh, my concerns are the things that they they should start looking at first and prioritize is like, yeah. I mean, we're giving money to Taiwan and Israel. They're financially better off than we are. And then, and then the amount of money that the um, illegal people that are coming across this border that don't have any uh, r- really uh, legal standing to come in here have uh, been uh, supplied with finances, housing, uh, just about every need they have, you know. And it's just like they get treated better than the uh, <laughs> our military people, you know, that that are injured and, and have to uh, face uh, rehabilitation and whatnot and, and beg for help. But You know, Delmar, you, you just touched on something that I think 90% of the American people agree is that one of the biggest problems that we as a country face, and that's our, the crisis, the open southern border, where thousands of people are continuing to flood into our country. Um, so you're right. We have got to address that. This, this administration, unfortunately, through actions they have taken, have literally hung a uh, neon open sign on our on our southern border, encouraging people from all over the world to come into our country illegally. And you're right. As soon as they present themselves, we take them, uh, provide them with uh, all kinds of services, distribute them around the country. So that every state in the union has literally now become a border state. Um, this is something that we're we're trying hard to address in Congress. We've got to close our southern border. We've got to get a handle on who's coming in. Um, we're being overwhelmed. Those southern border communities are. I've been there. I've seen firsthand that no nobody should have to go through what they're going through with the number of people that are invading the country going right through their communities it's it's really a terrible situation so uh, but you're absolutely right we've got to get a handle on that well is there is there any um or how much money is budgeted in the proposed budget for border security oh gosh uh, i don't know if i could pull a number right off the top of my head uh, delmar the homeland security subcommittee on appropriations um, there's a lot of different categories of spending there to that are that focus on border issues um, i don't have a total uh, be able to get i can get that kind of number for you uh, but we, we are looking that's one of the uh, one of the areas in the budget that we are strengthening, you know, the Border Patrol needs resources. We need more uh, more Border Patrol agents. Uh, there's a lot of things that we need to do to strengthen uh, our ability to control our borders. So that's one of the budget areas that we're trying to um, build up. And, and speaking of building up, I was just down there a couple of weeks ago. There are still, you wouldn't believe it, um, piles of fencing material laying there next to the next to the border, waiting to be installed 
that the Biden administration put a stop to, as you know, uh, when Biden came into office, that if we could just give the contractors the go-ahead to move forward and complete that job, that would help our Border Patrol agents tremendously. Um, so there's there's lots of things that have to happen in order to be successful here. Uh, but this is, like I said, one area of the budget that we are um, trying to provide the resources necessary to, to get the job accomplished. Well, you know, and uh, another thing uh, that you're addressing, and I think is really, we got the election coming up this year, and there's a lot of uh, worries about it, and a lot of people that don't have faith in the elections anymore. And we have a, I mean, you've stated this, but we have a major problem with the Chinese financing, and it's not just national elections they, they they get involved with the local elections and the state elections and that money's got to be traced back and stop flowing into our uh, elections uh, cycle there yeah you you know i've um, i've been in on a lot of different meetings as a member of the um, select committee on china learning about some of the threats China poses the United States. Um, it's it's alarming. Uh, you know they're they're. I guess I could use the word ubiquitous. The Chinese are into everything, uh, um, everything you can imagine. Certainly the internet, the TikTok. Um, you know they're as you know. I've been working on the issue of preventing the Chinese from purchasing agricultural land and uh, assets in the United States. Uh, so many different things that um, uh, we are becoming aware of as Congress. Uh, fortunately, we have a lot of uh, uh, people engaged in our national security agencies that are doing a great job keeping up with these threats from China. Uh, but we've got we've got to keep our eyes wide open here, uh, whether it's elections, whether it's like our financial markets, whether it's AI. Uh, whether it's um, um, almost anything you can imagine, the threats that we have to our infrastructure, our, our utilities, you know, our power generation, our transportation, our ports, uh, just all kinds of things that we've got to uh, be very vigilant in protecting. Uh, and so this is a huge focus of mine uh, as we move forward. And, and so, as you can see, there's lots of priorities that we have uh, in putting together a spending package. Uh, but national security, our border, those are the kinds of things that uh, that we really, really have to focus on and make sure that we have the resources in place uh, to protect the United States. Well, you know, I, I heard one of the testimonies there that was in Congress where uh, it's been a, a week or so ago where they were saying that how hard it is to track this Chinese money that's coming in and influencing our elections. Well, uh, you go to an IRS audit and they can tell you where every dime is. You don't even have to have receipts. They know exactly where you spent everything and where your money came from. You know, I mean, so it's, I can't, I can't understand why it would be difficult to track, to backtrack this money that comes to a campaign and where it came from. Uh, you mean a, a, a candidate's campaign? Well, yeah. I mean, they—they. They, I mean, they come in, influence the uh, 
different uh, special interests. They go into the political parties. They go into the campaigns. I mean, the tactical... (laughs) Anyway, the branches of the Chinese money go everywhere that come into our elections. It it filters through all all the whole system. Well, um, I'm I'm sure there's... uh, there are things that we know and things we don't know, but I, I think our system, um, there's a lot of good people working on this. I, I can assure you, uh, but you're right. We have to make sure that that does not happen. We minimize that influence as much as we possibly can. And, you know, there are laws in place, There's, but uh, transparency, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant, what they say, um, making sure that the, Foreign entities do not influence our elections. That's the best, one of the best ways that has to uh, be in place in order for people to have confidence in our elections and their outcomes. And so uh, that that's an absolute um, priority of mine and the Committee on China. And uh, uh, I think, as you're you're stating, I think it's a it's a concern of many Americans as well. Well, as long as uh, I'm the only one online, I got one last little item I'd like to run by. And I really, in my research, what I've done, and uh, through um, uh, Todd Meyer at the Washington Policy Center, actually the Chinook salmon that are increased count is, anyway, the dam, taking the dams down, the salmon... I think is just the marketing tool they're using to uh, prop up their agenda. And what what do you think the real reason is that they really want to take these dams out? Is this to promote more uh, renewable energy? Is that their end game on this? Because I don't think the salmon is really the 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 primary reason. But anyway, well. Uh- <clears throat> You know, I wish I knew exactly, Delmer. You know, uh, you're saying the salmon are just a vehicle to achieve their ultimate goal of, I don't know, what it might be, um, whether it's renewable or, um, you know, solar and wind energy. I I do think there's a a large group of people that would like to see all rivers return to their... um, natural state, I guess, if you will, that they want to return uh, our, our land and our waters back to um, pre-European uh, uh, colonization state, you know, without, uh, <laughs> before anybody were, was here except for the Native Americans, um, you know, that, which is not a, not a, not reality, it's not realistic to do that, but um, I, I, um, I'm not sure because you're right. The salmon, certainly there are challenges there, but we've seen an increase in the number of salmon uh, returning uh, from the ocean to spawn in our in our rivers, our streams. Um, so I think you know we've been able to prove that the dams and the salmon can and do coexist. Certainly, there's more work that we could do. Um, but I, I guess, you know, the purists, the, the environmental purists just don't want those dams in the river. And, and whether or not the salmon are a vehicle to achieve that, you might be right, uh, because I think there's some success stories that we can point to. 
uh, with salmon. So, um, but I, I, you know, if when you figure out the answer, then let me know. Uh, that, that would make it a lot easier for all of us to push back on this. What I think is a, a wrong-headed approach to our, to our energy future. We need the all of the benefits that the Snake River dams and all the dams on the Columbia and Snake River provide us. Um, well, and I think it's just a very bad approach to to remove them. Well, I, you know, and and it's they're so dedicated that we're going to be um, yeah. battery-operated vehicles, battery this. I mean, in Washington, I don't know where the bill went, but you can't, after 2025, you can't use a gas-powered lawnmower. And all. But what's going to charge all these batteries when you don't have any electricity? That's the problem we're facing right now. <laughs> That's exactly, nobody wants to answer that question. They say, oh, well, we'll figure that out, I guess. Well, you know, technology will catch up. Well, that's uh, putting a lot of faith in, in something that doesn't exist right now. But the dams are, you know, they're baseload energy. They're carbon-free. They're renewable. Uh, they're, they're there 24-7. Uh, and without them, we would be in a world of hurt. A lot of, uh, a lot of our economy would disappear without the hydroelectric system that we have in the Pacific Northwest. And I, that's why I'm fighting so hard to, to maintain them, to protect them. Like I said, we can, with hard work and determination, we've proven that we can have both the dams and salmon. Uh, we've got work to do, but we should continue uh, making sure that we uh, preserve both. And I think we can do that. Well, I, you know, that it'd be devastating to the agriculture and the food production and, like you say, our economy. And, I mean, I brought this up to one of the legislators, and they um, – they said, well, they can they can still drill deep wells. I mean, my gosh, where are you going to get the electricity to operate these massive pumps? Are you talking deep wells? And these farmers cannot afford. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about something that is very costly and very unaffordable for farmers. So I don't, I don't know who you were talking to, but they just don't quite get it, do they? No, they don't. I mean, they, that, that, like, that's a simple solution. That's very difficult. But anyway, um, that's all the questions I have for you, Congressman. I just want to thank you. We co- covered quite a few things there, but uh, it was very well, interesting to get a chance. Go ahead. Well, I just said good to visit with you. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm home in, in the Yakima Valley today. See a little bit of sun poking out. I hope them to enjoy some of this nice spring day. I guess it's not officially spring yet, but it sure started to feel like it, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of scared me when mm-hmm. I woke up this morning. I saw that bright light. It took me a minute to figure out what it was. So, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I'm going to uh, I'm going to submit this and have them uh, for KLCK Radio there, fourteen hundred. So is that okay? Okay. Okay. Good okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Have a good weekend. You too. Thank you. Thank you, Congressman. Appreciate your time. That's anytime, Delbert. Bye-bye.